0: and I figured out why I was doing it, because I think that's the most important thing that we have to remember is like, why do you do something? Once I figured that out, my career just soared. It just took off.
1: Welcome to the Business of Sales podcast. I'm your host, Morris Sims. Hey, do you ever feel like you're working harder than ever before, but your business and your income, well, they're just not growing like you want them to? Are you putting in more hours every week and seeing essentially the same results? Well, I can tell you, I've been there and I've done that. I learned how to go from 30 grand a year and two weeks off to almost $500,000 a year and five weeks off. We know how to help you grow your business, your time, and your income. This podcast is all about helping you grow. We have top salespeople and business owners sharing their knowledge with you every week and a few times a month. Well, I'm going to share specific growth strategies with you as well. So, hey, let's make it happen right now. Here's this week's episode. Judy Hoberman is our guest today on the Business of Sales, and I'm really excited about having Judy here with us. She does some wonderful things. You got to check out her website, Selling in a Skirt. I mean, Selling in a Skirt, what a great name for a website, right? For a business. And Judy has, is a great author. She's a speaker, and she came into the business world in the financial services industry. So she's one of us, y'all. Thanks for being here.
0: Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. Tell us
1: a little bit about your journey. How did you get to where you are today? Because my word, you're famous, lady.
0: (laughs) I don't know about famous. Or maybe I'm a legend in my own mind. I'm not quite sure. (laughs) I started on financial services in 1990. And I was the only female where I was. And it was a very interesting time. Um, I was not with one particular Famous company where I would have a name behind me, but I was um, I was struggling I really was struggling because I didn't get trained the right way I just had to go out there and do my own thing And as I figured out What I was doing and I figured out why I was doing it because I think that's the most important thing that we have to remember Is like why do you do something once I figured that out my career? just soared it just took off And so I went from a producer And then a sales leader and then an agency manager. I had three agencies of my own, and um, and I did that for a couple of decades. And then I decided to try the corporate side of it, and I realized that as m- as many more people I could impact because we had four thousand agents that you could definitely impact, it, it wasn't the right spot for me. And so I resigned. And when I resigned, I said to myself. What would I want to do if I was starting all over? What would I need? And the truth of the matter was, I needed somebody that looked like me. And I'm not saying physically look like me, but a a female that would have been able to say, okay, so here are some of the speed bumps and here are some of the things that you're going to encounter that the men don't. Here are some of the things the men are going to encounter that you don't, but there wasn't anybody. So I actually became that person. And I started out coaching and training and speaking. And that's really how I got from the beginning of financial services to where I am today.
1: And Judy, because of some of your direction and some of the title of your your book, one of your books, "There Selling a Skirt," it, people may think that your focus is mainly on women, but you're not necessarily right.
0: Right. Well, two things. Number one, I do. My goal is really to empower professional women, but the second half of that is to um, encourage men. To champion women, because your clients are both male and female unless you separate them. So men need to know how women think and women need to know how men think. So that's the first part. The second thing is selling in a skirt has nothing to do with the article of clothing. It just was something that there were five things that I struggled with and it happened to spell out skirt. And so if you want, I can tell you what it means.
1: Oh, please, would you? (laughs)
0: so the s is for standing out how many of us are you know we have hundreds and hundreds of people that are in the same field that we're in how do you stand out how do you get noticed what do people choose you to do business with the k is know your non-negotiables because we have deal makers and deal breakers why why wouldn't you have them from the very beginning so you don't have to go back and renegotiate with people okay i really didn't mean that or this is what i want to do the i is invest in your relationships the business is built on relationships. And if you don't invest in the ones that you already have created, then you won't have any. The R is all about referrals. Imagine getting referrals from clients without even asking because you did the I, you invested in relationships. So that's the R. And then the T is time structure. We all, I don't care who you are, we all at some point struggle with time, whether it's that elusive work-life balance, whether it's, you know, time management, that's really what it is. So it's spelled out skirt, but the book actually says on the cover, it's the secrets that women don't know they know about sales and what men should know too. So I always preface that it's not just about women, but there are certain things that I do that are for women, but there are also things that I do that are for both.
1: Oh, that's great. Perfect. Absolutely great. Let, let's chat about some of those if we can tell me about standing out. What would you do if you're that financial services professional out there selling insurance again? What, what would you do to stand
0: out? So first, you have to decide who you want to uh, work with. Who's in your sandbox? Who do you want to play with? Because if you can choose, if you can create the niche that you want and become the expert in that niche where you can you know, find solutions for people, then more and more people are going to be drawn to you. So that's the first thing I always ask is, who, who's your market? And you have to make a decision. It's not saying that you can't work with anybody else, but you're looking for this particular person. So when I do training in financial services, I'll just go around the room and I'll just say, okay, so who's your focus? Who do you want to work with? And so while everybody thinks that they're each other's competitors, they're really not because somebody's working with veterans and somebody's working with you know young families and somebody's working with retirees. And you know it goes on and on. But once you decide what that niche is, then you should know everything about it. Anticipate some of the questions they're going to ask you and become that go-to person. So if somebody was working with you that you're doing, you know, you're working with veterans, they're going to tell their friends, oh my goodness, you have to work with Morris because he's amazing. He knows all the answers. And then it just, it gets bigger. But I want to just say to anybody that's pretty new in the business, it doesn't mean you can't work with other people. You can work with whomever you want. Just start to create that niche. You know, If I was working with, let's say I was only working with women and a man came up and said, oh, I need to to buy long-term care. I'm not going to say, oh, I'm sorry, I don't work with you. I would work with him. I wasn't looking for him, but wow, that's a treat. I've got somebody new. So don't eliminate people just because you're creating a niche.
1: Look, a quick break in the conversation because I got something for you. You want to grow your business and you don't want to have to work 60 or 80 hours a week to do it. Is that right? Well, I bet it is because most of the folks that I talk to tell me they're working too much for too little in return. Would you like to tap into some of the great ideas and concepts that can help you grow your business and help you get off that plateau where, you know, everything seems to be the same, same work, same people, same results, well, we can help you do just that. Each week, we'll put a brief but practical idea in your inbox that you can use to help you grow and run your business more effectively and efficiently. All you have to do is go to wwwmorissimscom forward slash free audio. You know how that works. It's all in one word. wwwmorissimscom forward slash free audio. When you do, just drop your email address in and then we'll immediately give you a download of a free audio that you can listen to whenever you want to, whatever works best for you. This week's audio is a boatload of concepts and practical ideas on marketing and prospecting and creating that consistent stream of prospects for your business. Pause the business of sales and go to www.morrissims.com forward slash free audio and get your free audio download. Right now, let's get back to the show. I talk about strategy a lot, and it, it's the same thing. I mean, if if my strategy is to work with business owners and somebody comes in and says, hey, I need a half million dollars worth of term insurance, I'm not going to say, gee, I don't do that. Go talk to somebody else. I'm going to say, how tall are you, and where do you live, and what's your driver's license number?
0: Right, right. Yeah. But at the same token, you should also have those other people in your back pocket. When we were selling you know, Life and Health, We, you know, I didn't do property and casualty, but I would always have a property and casualty person in my back pocket and say, Oh, you need uh, insurance for your home. Why don't you talk to so and so? So you always would have that so you can become that go to person. Define
1: non negotiables for me.
0: So a non-negotiable is when you clearly don't want to do something like, you know, let's, let's talk about dating for a minute. A lot of people have non-negotiables. They don't want to date a smoker or they don't want to work, you know, date with somebody that is, you know, 50 years older or younger, you know, there's non-negotiables. So in business, what if somebody, you know, you, somebody wanted to work with you and they clearly did not have any of your core values. They were so far on the other side that you just, you were uncomfortable. That's a non-negotiable. If you want you know, if you said, I'm only going to work at 25 miles from my home and all your, you know, all these people that are making all this money, they are, you know, 150 miles that you have to drive and stay over. That could be a non-negotiable. If somebody is constantly arguing with you about this is so expensive or this doesn't cover this, and constantly, no matter what you do, that might be a non-negotiable. So you have to just decide what the deal makers are and the deal breakers are. So on the flip side, a deal maker could be somebody that says, Oh, you're just what I'm looking for, and I have 50 friends that are this in the same position. Well, there's a deal maker. You know what I mean? So it's it's that kind of thing. But you have to set your your standards and you have to say, I, these are my values. And just because you're going to pay me money to buy a million-dollar term life policy. It doesn't mean I want to do business with you. You'll know. You'll know. There are people that walk, used to walk towards me, and I would take a step backwards because there was something about them that just—it was—they were not my people. I, I knew it, and I didn't want to get into that conversation because you know I'm try—I always try to be professional, but there are certain people that just are not your people, and so you have to excuse them because what will happen is you'll sell, sell them something and then you basically are going to have to fire them later because you really can't work with them. I'd rather not do that in the first place.
1: That makes such great sense, Judy. It really does. The, my degree is in chemical engineering. I spent five years doing that. I was pretty good at it before I started selling insurance. And I tell you what, love engineers. are great people. But when it comes down to our business, I I didn't want to, didn't want to work with those guys. They're so right. wonderfully analytic because that is their work, but that analytical nature makes them very, very difficult to deal with when it comes to to our business. So I chose not to do business with those folks. What a great point.
0: Right. And then there's somebody else that loves analytical people. So, you know, okay, awesome. And that's why there's so many different colors of crayons in the crayon box, because there's somebody for everybody and you don't have to be everybody, something to everyone
1: investing in relationships. I've been wanting to get to this one. (laughs) I bought cars from this guy in New Jersey. We must have bought 10 cars from this guy over the years that we were up in the Northeast. And it just always blew my mind that I never heard from him except when I went in to go buy the next car. We we love the guy and Angelo sold us a lot of cars. We had a great relationship when we were there. But he did nothing to invest in that relationship. And I always thought, Bubba, you're missing this, you're missing a thing here.
0: Yeah, because the 10 cars that he sold you, it could have turned into 50. Cause he just, you know. And the other the other part is today, buyers are much more savvy. They really are. They have many more um, ways to investigate what they want to buy and what the company's about and so on and so forth. And if you don't invest in the relationships, your competitors will. And that's what you have to be careful of because there are people out there that you know are the the selling, you know, the serving and supporting type. And so they're going to serve and support their clients. And if somebody says, Oh, you have to work with Judy because she really takes care of her clients, I might get somebody that was working with you and unbeknownst to you because you were not investing in that relationship. So I, you know, and I I find the same thing. There's so many people. My my agent. That I have all my insurance through. He has never called me ever, and I have been with him for two decades now. The only reason that I don't change is because I I wouldn't change I wouldn't change the policy. It's a great policy, but he's never called me. He's never called me. So that to me, if it was something else, I would have dropped it a long time ago. I would have. So that's why I'm saying you just have to decide what is the deal maker
1: that working on relationships is so very important because in my opinion, Judy, you tell me if I'm wrong. In my opinion, somebody that's already a client of mine, we've already gotten over that, that no trust kind of barrier. They, they've got some trust in me. They bought from me once and chances right. are they're going to buy from me again faster than that stranger on the street that has to decide whether or not he's going to trust me.
0: That all goes back to the prospecting portion of the, of the program because you constantly have to be prospecting. But if you don't invest in your relationships, you're missing out on the people that already did say yes to you. And so that's less prospecting because then becomes the R with which is the referrals. But I'll tell you a funny story. I had insurance, car insurance, auto insurance with Liberty Mutual from the day I got my license until uh, nine years ago. That's a long time. I'm not even gonna tell you how old I am, but that's a long time. <laughs> and the only reason I change, the only and I've never seen an agent ever, ever, ever. The only reason I changed is because when I got married, I married the colonel and the colonel has USAA. And you know, you have you basically need to go there. You just do. If you're military, you go there. I I, I don't know anything about it, but that's what I hear. Anyway, so I call Liberty Mutual to cancel my policy. After decades, and we're talking, I don't think anybody has ever stayed as long as I did. And the woman was very nice. And she said, why are you canceling? And I said, here's why. And she said, oh, totally understand, great policy. And I started to cry. And I said, I think I'm hurting your feelings. And she said, why? I said, because I'm leaving you. And she said, honey, it's an insurance policy. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, okay, well, I guess I feel worse about it than oh, you do. Well, yeah. Judy, tell me
1: this. How would you recommend to your clients, if you ran into one of, these, one of these salespeople and they're not doing a great job of this, where would you recommend that they start? What do you do to invest in relationships or do you recommend for investing in relationships?
0: Well, one of the first things is after you sell somebody something or you don't, it doesn't matter. After you've taken up someone's time, you need to thank them. And so I always encourage people to do handwritten thank you notes. And I know it's old fashioned, but if you can't do handwritten, then at least do an email. And you thank them for their time, and you thank them for you know spending their you know being generous with their time, whether they bought from you or not. I got so many referrals from people that I didn't sell to because I thanked them for their time, and I took the time to you know to to spend with them. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, even if you haven't ever done that, if you've never said thank you, and now you're going into months or years, it's the middle of the year you send them out, you know, something. Remember, you have to go through compliance with anything you send out, but you send them out, uh, you know, a thank you note or uh, if you do a newsletter or there's always something in your marketing portals. That says, hi, I just want to let you know what I'm up to. It's the middle of the year. Here's something new that we're doing. Or it's the end of the year. Wanted to wish you happy holidays. And here's something we're doing. Or the beginning of the year. Happy New Year. I just want to let you know what I'm doing. So it doesn't matter when it is. There's always a reason to send somebody something. And at least get back on their radar. And then you, you know, you make sure you keep in touch with them. We used to do, you know, birthday cards all the time. We did a birthday postcard. And at the beginning of the month, we'd write them all out and and send them out. And people would say to me, I don't get anything from anybody except for you. And so, you know, so it's just little things like that, which not only will make you stand out, but it also keeps you top of mind. So if somebody needs something or or they, you know, just had a baby or they just bought a new house and they need, you know, mortgage insurance or they need, you know, whatever. There's all different reasons why people should at least see you.
1: Oh, there really are. And staying in touch is not that hard if you just, no. you know, work at it a little bit and have a couple mm-hmm. of systems in place.
0: You know, it's it's one little thing. Just do one little thing. You don't have to change everything you're doing. And that's what people always say. Should I change everything? No, no. Take one thing and just follow it through. Just take one thing.
1: Now, referrals are something that, golly gee, I don't know about the rest of the world, but in the financial services world, we really do talk about it a lot. I'm not sure how well we do it. What kind of great insights do you have for referrals?
0: Well, I will tell you that the majority of people don't do it. And the majority of your clients are ready to give you referrals but you never ask. And that's the sad part because, I mean, there are statistics out there, all kinds of statistics, but the majority of people don't even ask because they're uncomfortable, they feel icky, and that is a technical term. They, you know, it's just it's just like those things, that, you know, I don't want to feel salesy, I don't want to ruin the relationship. And the truth of the matter is you don't have to say, hey, do you have any referrals? Although you would get referrals because you actually asked for them. But, you know, I always tell people that you should be prepared with how you're going to ask for it. You have, to, you have to know that the time you ask is when someone is grateful. And when do you know they're grateful? When they say, thank you. That's being grateful. Thank you so much for today. I really appreciate it. You don't have to say, do you have any referrals? You can say, who else should I be talking to? I mean, that's much easier than saying, do you have any referrals? And the same thing is, you can, you know, let's say that you're selling, you sold insurance to someone that who is an attorney. And you can say, who are you looking for? Who would I be able, you know, what should I listen for if somebody is saying I need an attorney? What should I listen for? And this way you can give people referrals as well. When you give, you also get. You should always give first, always give first. So you, you just have to be able to ask and not, you know, like, you don't change your energy. You're like, oh, am I, this is great. This is, Oh, do you have any referrals? You can't do that either. But there was a guy, when I first started, He he would go out and he would put all his stuff over the desk or the table, wherever he was. And when he was done, he'd clean everything up and there was a yellow index card sitting there. And he didn't touch the index card. He waited for his client to say, what's that? And he'd say, oh, I was wondering where it went. This is for referrals. Do you have any? <laughs> I love it. Okay. Now he did, he did this every single time and he did get referrals. So the question is, was it the way that he did it or was it that he asked? And that's what you have to, because that's the biggest thing is people don't ask and you really have to get into the habit of asking because if you do it once, it might be a little uncomfortable, but when you constantly do it and you do it the right way, who else did I know, Morris? You know, really, I work a lot with female attorneys. Who do you know? Who do you know? You know, it's just part of your conversation. It's not, do you have any referrals? Cause I'm, you know, I have to have referrals. If I don't have referrals, I'm going to get in trouble. You know,
1: Yeah, I need a referral because I've got to pay the mortgage next week. That's right you know, it can't be that either. And it's, it's gotta be just a part of your entire sales process. And I love the yellow card idea. A friend of mine, Bill Cates is, is the referral coach. And I love Bill to death. One of the things he taught over the years was have a referral book, a bound journal kind of a book. And you know, that goes out on the table when you're having that conversation. And then, oh yeah, by the way, and you open this book and it's got all these names in it. So it's obvious that it's normal for people to give this guy referrals. I guess I ought to give him some too.
0: It just, it, you have to do what's comfortable for you. And that's a great way to do it. And if you're comfortable, do it. If I mean, you just have to find a way so you don't say, well, I was going to do it this time, but yeah, I don't, yeah, I'm not comfortable.
1: <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. It's when we, when we break free of our comfort zone that all of a sudden we begin to grow. You're absolutely right, Judy. Okay, last T here is time. Talk to us about how you manage yourself within the framework of time, because we all know you can't manage time. There's only 24-7, 365.
0: Right, but you can manage yourself, and that's the the point of the whole thing. So I set boundaries for myself. There's a rule in my house. There are absolutely, positively no electronics at the table, like none. I don't care if it's a five-minute dinner or a 10-minute dinner or an hour dinner. There's no electronics, and it doesn't matter how old you are, because my kids are grown. And when they come here, you know, and I say, well, you know, no electronics, like mom, really? Yes, really. <laughs> because you have to learn to be present. If you can learn to be present at the dinner table, you can be present anywhere. The worst thing you can, you'll find is when you're with somebody and they're looking at their Apple Watch, pretending it's they're looking at time, but they're reading emails or text or whatever, um, you have to be present. And that's part of time management. You have to decide how to be present because that's a priority. When you're with somebody, there should be no one else that's more important than that person. You should be 100% focused on them. You should have lots of eye contact and you should be asking them questions to get them involved in the conversation. The first thing about time structure, time management, work-life balance or whatever is you have to create harmony. There is no such thing as time li- t- a work-life balance. No such thing, it's a myth. But if you create harmony wherever you are, that's part of your time management. You you can't you can't have more than twenty-four hours a day. It doesn't exist. And yet some people get everything done and some people run out of time. And why is that? Because they don't have their priorities straight. And so you have to decide, okay, so I can't have 15 appointments by twelve o'clock. You have to be realistic. So I just say, create harmony, create some kind of structure for yourself, for your family, and for your business. I'm very strict with my calendar. Very, very strict. And, and that's always worked for me. Yeah,
1: you know, it's amazing. Earl Nightingale said it, uh, and it's been said by so many people in so many different ways, that you have to treat every person with whom you come in contact with as the most important person on earth. And you do that mm-hmm. because as far as that person is concerned, he or she is they are the most important people on earth and right. isn't that just really the way human beings ought to treat each other it's it just it's the way we ought to be absolutely yeah judy do you have any uh, particular tools or things you use to to help manage your yourself and in and amongst time
0: so I have always, always used a blotter calendar, and I know it's going to sound very old-fashioned and whatever, so you have to take the technical portion of your brain and move it aside for just a minute. The reason I do this is because it's big and people are visual. I used to recruit agents. I would give each one of them a blotter size calendar, and then you just use colors, so however many people are in your family, you always get an extra one, one for each person, get an extra one just in case you need something. I used to put everything on my calendar as far as what was important to my children. I was a single mom through my entire career. If they had a soccer game or they had a field hockey game or there was an orthodontist, it went on the calendar. So they saw, well, first of all, they thought they were important enough to be on my business calendar, which I, you know, I, that's a treat. They love it. I don't care. That made it happen. Made, made them happy. So they went on my calendar. Then I would put out what I needed to put on the calendar. So if there was training on a Monday or if, or if there was something I had to do with their school on a Wednesday. So those things go on, went on my calendar. When I looked at the calendar, I could see very clearly when I could and couldn't be on the road. So if I had training in the morning and I had to do something else in the afternoon, that was not a day to be on the road. But if I dropped my kids off in the morning and there was nothing else until, you know, late in the afternoon, that was a great day to be on the road. So I was very careful with it. But I also knew that there were things that are important to my kids, like their games. And so I never, ever, ever in all the years, never missed any games. I never missed a soccer game. And my son was division one. I never missed a field hockey game. And my daughter was like, you know, she, they were city champs. I never missed a game because that was what was important to them. And to me, that was balance. That was harmony. And that was making sure my kids were, you know, were well-adjusted and amazing humans.
1: I love the skirt analogy. I think that has allowed us to cover so many wonderful things. what else what else should we be talking about, Judy? What else can you bring to our audience to to help that financial services professional out there?
0: You know you have to also remember that not everyone is is going to be your client, and that's a big deal because everybody thinks that anything they have, everybody should need it. And that doesn't work. it doesn't work like that. There's no one in this world. There, there's nothing in this world that everyone needs. Whether you think everyone needs water or oxygen, they don't because there's always an exception to the rule. And that's why you have to decide what it is that you, who you serve and what you have to offer them. And so you have to decide what that person, what that market is, because not everybody is your client. The other thing you have to know, especially in this business, is why why are you doing this business? Why are you in it? What is it about this business that, that makes you excited? And I know when you think of financial services or insurance and you add the word exciting, it does. it's an oxymoron, but it's true. I was always excited about it, always. When I would call people on the phone to book an appointment and I never sold over the phone, I only booked appointments, they would say to me, I don't really care what you're selling, but you're so excited, I can't wait to meet you. That's what they would tell them. I never, ever, ever, ever got stood up ever because people were waiting. They just wanted to see like, who is this crazy person? She's so excited. I treated everybody as if they were already my clients. So you have to, you know, you have to put your personality in there. And I'm not saying you have to be, you know, Susie Sunshine or anything like that. I'm saying you have to be yourself, but you have to let people know why you do what you do. And there are so many people in this industry that have stories about somebody in their family or a friend that didn't have protection and something unexpected happened and then you watch GoFundMe go up because they didn't have insurance. And GoFundMe is not the, the answer to the puzzle. Life insurance is the answer to the puzzle. Long-term care is the answer to the puzzle, you know? So you have to just decide who it is you're working with, why you do what you do, and then focus on it.
1: And that why has to be wrapped in passion and fueled with emotion is what I try and teach folks. And it's, it is so vitally important to who we are and what we do. Because if you don't have that why, nothing else is going to work. None of the techniques, none of the ideas, none of the concepts, none of the other things that we talk about are going to going to be of any use to you whatsoever unless you have that strong why wrapped in passion and fueled with emotion Judy thank you this has been an absolute blast
0: Well thank you thanks for having me this has been great I'm I'm really excited about today
1: Thank you Judy for being with us you can find Judy on her website sellinginaskirt.com that's all one word sellinginaskirt.com Or you can give her a call at area code 203-605-3635. That's 203-605-3635. Give Judy a call. Great coach, great consultant, outstanding keynote speaker. You'll be glad you did. And for everybody else out there, do go out there and make this an outstanding week. Have a great time. Enjoy yourself. And I'll see you again next time right here on The Business of Sales.